0: What was it about you when the career readiness program came about that all the things that
1: influenced you to be a part of the career readiness program? It was about giving people the opportunity. Sometimes all people need is just a chance. It's not always about proving yourself that you need the chance. Just give me a chance or opportunity to be better, to do better, so that I can then live the life that God has destined for me.
0: Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is going to transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day. And Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales well. So all you have to do is go to highticketlaunchsecrets.com That's highticketlaunchseekers.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to highticketlaunchsecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ario Young, and I have my very own person here today. I'm super excited. She's like my mentor. She's like wisdom all over, and he's super cool at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so brings it back like okay yeah yeah, no no if you saw her shoes it would be amazing so (laughs) without further ado
1: I would love for you to introduce yourself my dear hi um, I'm Cherie Mercier I've known Ari for about five years we met um, at Delta airline and as soon as we connected we knew that this was not a friendship for a season um, or reason but for a lifetime and I'm happy to reconnect with her again today Absolutely. I think
0: it was more than five years. Actually. Was not
1: Yeah, because with
0: uh, you know, with the Ro- Auntie Roro, we, we got to add at least two years to that, I think. Because I joined anywho it's been a while (laughs) okay it's
1: been longer (laughs) than five
0: years it has but and you're right i think that a lot of the things that um i experienced in my last stint in corporate really was about personal development yeah and there are times when you're in when you're navigating the hallways of corporate and you're like listen my day is going trash but you bump into someone like you you are my person i bump into you in the hallway I'm like, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, fine. No, how are you doing? Right. And we would stop and really talk about how I was doing. And it, got, it gave me an opportunity to really like think about what, where I'm going in life. What do I want my life to mean? How do I want this to matter? Um, and you had a really, really big effect on me in that oh. way. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I think it's most important when I ask someone how they're doing, I'm genuinely asking you, how are you doing? because I know sometimes it can be challenging to navigate um, corporate America, and I could tell that you were okay, but you were telling me, oh, you're fine, and everything was going well, but it wasn't. And so that was a moment for us to, one, to connect, and two, to, for us to sit down and let me know how you're truly doing and see if I could help in any way, mm-hmm. because it'll be a huge disservice for me to have gone through the things that I have, and not share that knowledge or that experience with you so we don't then make the same mistakes mm-hmm. over and over. Yeah. And um, so that you can continue to love yourself even while you're going through things or knowing where to pivot or where to change or who you can reach out to. Knowing your resources is very important and I just wanted to be that resource for you. Mm, you know what just said, as said, it just stood out so, so, so big.
0: Knowing that you can love yourself through it, yeah. Um, I think that for a lot of professionals, including myself, navigating in um, an, an environment, any environment at work, where right. you're not necessarily your feelings aren't the, at the forefront, right? Then you are mentally trying to, you know, navigate and figure out who to trust and who not to, who not to trust, who to tell, how to get your next promotion, all of these things, right? Meanwhile, you have to like your your self care, your perception of yes. yourself is in, in jeopardy. So while we navigate the, this huge business world, you were definitely instrumental on that side. But then I also got to work with you on some, some, some projects professionally. Yes. So getting to see you in your own element professionally and seeing that you actually like, are like a top, like in terms of your your strategy and your your, street, your strategic input. Yeah, I think that that part was also like really dope to see because you can see a black woman who's real, <laughs> but who also knows her stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, let's dump it to, into your career a little bit because I know okay. you've been in corporate a lot longer than than I could bear for a while. Um, <laughs> which it, it, it's all a part of growth and development. It is. Yeah. It is.
1: And each challenge that you go through, it helps grows you. So you grow through each challenge that you go through. I started out um, on the international gates at Delta Airline, I quickly realized that wasn't the pr- profession for me. That wasn't the career growth or the career path where I wanted to continue. Then I moved to the reservations building, working in different areas from project management to rock coordinator and um, operations control center co- coordinator working with flight control. Mm-hmm. From there, I moved to revenue management, and then we connected in um, marketing communications. Mm-hmm. And then I went full circle with my career and ended on the corporate side of uh, reservations of so customer engagement and experience mm. and just kind of writing the policy and procedures for our customers as they on their travel journey and they encountered different things how does that experience then um, how to improve it for the customer that that's what I would say but on the, on the flip side I've also um, helped my dad with his funeral home for over 29 years, mm-hmm. so I've been in the funeral funeral inter- industry, um, but always is always tethered to customer service and treating people right. So I think as I live my life, um, that's what I'm always that's always in the forefront. How do you treat the person that you're dealing with? at that moment and at that time
0: yes everything is people-centered when i think
1: about it yes you
0: are um not only we didn't even talk about the the you've also had entrepreneurial experience since like for so long yes we got to get into that because i was going to say since you were younger but i i know a lot about your story but i don't know everything about your story so we gotta dig into that part you mentioned going from uh, the front lines um, to operations to um, marketing, even revenue management, all of these different um, not industries but um
1: divisions, divisions within the company yeah right.
0: And they take different different um, technical skill sets, right? right? But they also take that people part. What would you say you've learned is your sweet spot as you've touched all these different areas where most people might spend the entire part of their career, you've done
1: multiple different um competencies is what i'm thinking right and i I think in each role i never let go what i learned from my previous role and i'm able to take a little bit more with me and give even more to a role because i have that experience i have that knowledge um i from each each role i would say um There were different skill sets that I learned and and it just helped me in my next role in revenue management. You learn the business of the company. In reservations, you learned about customer service and how to treat the customers and their first interaction with the company. Mm -hmm. When I went to marketing communications is, how do we speak to the customers as we're trying to advertise them, to incentivize them to come and purchase something, a service that we're trying to sell. Yeah. And then in each role, you just take a little bit with you. And then when I was in operations in the um, control center, is how does our, um, when we mess up a passenger's flight or a customer's flight, how then does that impact them? And so you just get a holistic view of different parts of the company, but it still touches one thing, and that's the customer Mm -hmm. and how it impacts them. Um, And then dealing in the funeral industry, that's a very challenging moment for um, someone, for anybody. So you're dealing with people at their most vulnerable time. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you to kind of help guide them through that experience. Um, Excuse me, I retired after 24 and a half years with uh, Delta. And then two weeks after I retired, I lost my mom. So then, that was a very challenging moment because my whole world just changed. Something that I knew for 24 years I was no longer doing. Mm -hmm. And then someone that I had my entire life who loved my benefits at the company, two weeks after I left, um, she passed away. Yeah. So it was it was a cathartic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a soul searching moment yeah. um, for me to kinda, just kinda think some things through and focus on what really mattered. I
0: extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm I'm leaving corporate America so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got our sales, we know what our goals are and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. Now the second thing that I really, really benefited from was the revenue. Revenue generating activity was not necessarily a thing before 2021. Now I had my LLC, I had my website, I had a few clients here and there, but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with, that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've that I've created relationships with, Everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So, if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us, and I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. Mm, I was
1: also,
0: <clears throat> I was also thinking, is it was it a moment where? Um, you had to take much of a leadership role in that because you are you are really experienced in helping other people process that journey right and now here you are on this side going through your own process did you have to take the leadership like um, role in like coordinating that process and dealing with all the people and invitations and all
1: that well no not so much but since it is a family business but I have two older sisters and my dad we just helped each other through We helped each other through the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mother had Alzheimer's, so they call that the disease of it's a long goodbye because it is a long goodbye. It's a person who you once knew and you slowly losing pieces of them over time. So we dealt with that for about seven, seven and a half years. Before actually. Mm -hmm. Before she passed away. So um, you just process a little bit at a time. Yeah. And it determines how you process, how then you will end up um, once they do pass away. And and we had peace um, because who she was and how she lived was not how she was ending her life. Mm. So that, that that helped us find peace that she was now at peace and didn't have to live like that anymore. But I think I I kind of glossed over your initial question was um, at Delta, what did I learn? And it was how to I'm, I'm good at multitasking I'm project management um, I can handle several different uh, tasks at one time mm-hmm. and and that I live my life like that I always I'm always juggling at least five or ten balls at one time as you know right right we've had to reschedule um, a couple of times because things come up. But at the same time, I commit to what I wanna do, and I wanna do it well. This was something that I think um, is good for me, us connecting again, um, because you, you were important to me, and I always wanted to see you succeed in whatever you do. So I was happy to help when you reached out to me.
0: Mm, I, I, I have always, I have always said there. Even when I reach out, even if it feels delayed, it's if I reach out to you, it's probably I've already been thinking about it like three months in advance, <laughs> and, and I know like success loves speed, but oftentimes, um, I just have to like get to the queue of thoughts that I have. But you have been right. like kind of top of mind for a long time, and. Um, even hearing as you're going through your own processes personally, yeah. um, and you are juggling a lot So we have to actually talk about those things because yeah. um, As you are always you're like a duck You know what way in a way? Okay. guys okay. So the, the analogy is like, you know, how a duck is super calm on the top Yeah, um, but if you look under the water uh-huh. a duck is like right paddling right. paddling uh-huh. That's the way that I mean it. Okay. Because like when we were yeah. still um, in our nine-to-five you were also operating two, operating two businesses. Yeah. Um. You were also a mom, mm-hmm. right? And I always envy moms who can keep it together. Your wife, and you were super, super cool. Like, it didn't, even if it was like um, a Christmas party, I, mer- I remember that time when I caught you,
1: like, dancing on that You <laughs> to catch, because you were the center of attention, dancing on the dance floor. Well, I love dancing with my husband. That's how we met, and we'll continue to dance forever.
0: Yeah. yeah. So let's yeah. talk about the development of Cherie. Okay. I'm thinking before or like Sometimes I think, oh, the days when life was so simple. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when there was only like one or two things or when we were just children, we just had homework to deal right, with. Right, right. And all of a sudden we started grab, grabbing all these new responsibilities.
1: And we wanted to be grown so fast and so quick. And for what? Because <laughs> there's a lot of responsibility. Because we want to go outside and eat our right. dessert
0: first <laughs> and come in time whatever time right. we want. And
1: it, it, it's so overrated. But um, like they say, I wouldn't trade nothing for my journey now. Yeah. Um, with growing up I just knew that I was gonna dance for Alvin Ailey. I danced for eighteen years. I did ballet, tap, jazz, point, I did um African dance and that if to the the core of me that's what my first love is and that it always has been is dance and my it's funny how i love dance my husband loves music so then yes it's the whole vibe
0: yeah now okay my mind goes to multiple different curiosities and and they at this point you guys know that we're going to get to all these questions (laughs) (laughs) but dancing yeah when did you find that or when did you or your parents find that dancing was going to be a skill set of yours
1: Oh, since I was five. A gift, rather. Right. Since I was five, mm-hmm. and up until my freshman year of college. Uh, I went to FAMU and danced um, there for a little while, but I didn't continue. I didn't pursue it. I didn't pursue it like that it was something I wanted to live my life doing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not a regret as if I could have done it differently. Um, but and that's one thing I would say, if it's something that you think you want to do, Regardless of who says no or no, that's not cool. Continue. Yeah. Continue and focus because that was my happy place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
0: think a lot of times we grow up. We have these passions, right? We have a whisper of like, okay, I want to do this. Yeah, but then it's quickly shut down for whatever our doubts are based on how we were raised but then we also don't necessarily have that exposure to like somebody who
1: is in our space and and is doing what we do. Or either we don't, well nowadays, you have everything at your fingertips, Mm -hmm. but then um, it was a much harder pursuit to get to surround yourself in the environment of where you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing, have you seen the the Genius documentary with Kanye West? Yes, I have. (laughs) His passion and his drive for what he wants um, it was unrelenting, and if that was something, in addition to other um, w- other things I'm trying to pass on to my children, is be unrelenting in your pursuit of whatever you want, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's the most, one of the most important lessons. Yes, we give them that foundation of going to church and being spiritual, religious, however you want to live your life, mm-hmm. um, but you need to have uh, that foundation first, and then building up on each of those lessons that then creates this being of who you are and how you then contribute in the world.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. My favorite part of that that documentary though, what was that? his mother's yes. love, Yes. like the influence that she had. So when we are in our heads, we need something next time to shut that chatter down. And she just pumped his head into like believing himself. Even when he asked a question, do you think I'm too arrogant? She no. said, no, Mm-mm. no. I think that is so in addition to like that unrelenting passion internally, that external influence is a big thing. And as I'm listening to you, I don't think we've ever talked a lot about the family side of you. Mm-hmm. And then you also said African um, dance, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. I started that when I was in middle school. Really? African
0: dance. Yeah. How did you come to understand your identity as a black
1: woman? I, I st- I'm evolving. I haven't defined it yet. Um, mm-hmm. I know that I'm a nurturer. I know that um, I'm loving, I know that I want better for anyone whom I can touch, influence, or affect. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my roles, and it was a volunteer role when I was working in corporate America, was um, president of the Work and Family Business Resource Group, and I did that for six years, volunteer role, but it was important to me. Mm -hmm. It was important to help other parents new parents considering um, starting a family or caregivers, it was important that they had the resources that they needed um, for informed decisions Mm -hmm. to help better their family. It was important because I was able to volunteer at Atlanta Public School and be a reading mentor to young children to Mm -hmm. influence them, to help them know that whatever you learn, whatever you read, no one can take that away from you. And it's important that you know that, it's important to help other families who have a loved one with, um, that has Alzheimer's, it was important to bring in um, Second Wind Dreams, which provided, um, it was more so a virtual experience living through the life of someone with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. How they hear, how they see their processing, and then you can meet them where they are mm-hmm. instead of trying to bring them into your world because that's not reality for them. So it was important, and then i I could go on and on. Um, I had a friend whose son committed suicide mm-hmm. so i said let's do the let 's do a pivot and not have a suicide um, awareness panel discussion, but a suicide prevention mm-hmm. let 's help our family and our loved ones. If we see the signs, what do we need to do? We partnered with the cDC and we had a speaker come in, and let 's try to prevent um Um, suicide with anyone who we can because we we're all aware of it because everyone here at the time they'd experienced it yeah but let's prevent it so we don't have to be aware of it um, after we lose someone
0: yeah you know what i'm hearing and i also identify with like my identity as a black woman evolving because goodness um I think that at a point at the point where I was just doing a lot, not just but uh-huh. doing a lot, yeah, and um, realizing the effect that it was having on people, yeah and then I started looking at other women and how they identified first as a black woman and how that affected them, and I said, well, how, how do I show up? you know how does me showing up as a black woman in- affect it? as I'm hearing you, I think of a lot of the initiatives. <clears throat> that are going on, and mm-hmm. not a lot of black women are championing these things. Like yeah. suicide prevention, <clears throat> my goodness. Yes. Suicide prevention, Alzheimer's, all of these things. Yeah. And um, as you're talking, mm-hmm. I see the fact that a black woman doing these things has such impact for other people to say, oh, I can do it too. Like, you're telling your story yeah. just allows other another black woman to say, oh, that's my story too, and be able to step up and yeah. walk in it. So as you say, like you're evolving, I identify with that. But one of the things that I think I would like to know a little bit more about is when you first, like as you got into African dancing and being at FAMU, I went to PWI, I went to oh, Georgia, I went to UGA. <laughs> so like, um, while we talked about like dancing, you not taking dancing long-term, Uh huh. Um, I do think I have seen, and this is my hypothesis. Okay. I've seen that when Black people go to HBCU, when yeah. they take part in African dance, they lead their lives with a little bit more confidence for who they are. Would you say that at the very, or even as you've, as you say, you're it's still evolving? Yeah. As it was evolving in the early stages, yeah. what are some of the things that you feel like you got from those like experiences, those direct African American experiences?
1: Yeah, that was my first <clears throat> time, and a growing yeah. up, I went to. Um, an all-black Catholic church. That's still a little different than an all-black Baptist church. Elementary, middle, and high school, I was in, I went to predominantly white um, schools. In a lot of situations, I was the only black child in a classroom, so mm. that connection is different. When I attended FAMU, it felt like home. Um, I, I danced for a little bit down there. I took my first African American Studies class um, my freshman year, and it was, it was, it was eye opening because the well the summer leading up to my freshman year in college, I participated in the um, National Black Arts Festival. Mm. So I worked in a store with um, selling all African American books. I had my first print from, I think her name was Vernetta Honeywood, and she signed my print and just immersed myself around everything African American, National Black Arts Festival, where we celebrated ourselves. Mm. So then to go to HBCU and connect with people from all over, I'm not gonna say from the United States because I had some West Indian friends as well, Mm -hmm. and to this day, I still have my four best friends from when we first met our freshman year.
0: So I know that you'll agree, enjoying myself while at work is the vibe that I'm trying to be on. So I wanna invite you guys to Sidebar ATL. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, Sidebar on top of the good food and live music, they have three different experiences. That means you can join me in the garden room, in the gold room if you wanna try the top of the line hookah, and they also have the dungeon where I hear what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon. So it's the perfect mix if you're here on business or you wanna blow off some steam after work, you can meet me at Sidebar ATL so that you can have a little bit of dinner and then turn up afterwards if that's your jam. So check us out, 79 Poplar Street here in downtown Atlanta or you can call 678-800-0741. Let's get it, work and play at the same time. Right?
1: <laughs> in my opinion and that's when you realize um, that you really didn't see your fit there if mm-hmm. you couldn't continue your program the way it needed to be
0: literally you, speaking to me please <laughs> on days on days we all forget our why sometimes yeah um, but there are days when I um, in the world of um, trying to make it make it what I needed to be yeah um, I go I have to go back to these moments where like the beginning days of us creating the career readiness program and I say us because like yes I was championing the thing in the background and the framework and everything but it really would not have been what it was without yeah. you guys like when I say yeah. you like the volunteers and specifically <clears throat> our relationship and mm-hmm. how it developed in the career readiness program is very instrumental so on that topic And to give everyone a background, because sometimes I forget, like, we are, it's all of us. We are here. To give you guys some background about the career readiness program, it was developed through my own experiences um, in professional development. Right. Um, I was in this program called MLT, Management Leadership for Tomorrow, for um, black and brown young people who want to make it successful in corporate. And by the time I was introduced to the people at Covenant House, Uh uh-huh, I was like, why? Why don't they have the same opportunities as I right, did? Right, right. It was it was literally like opportunities, but then getting some of the people in the room,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and what I'll say is like having you as a volunteer, you turn the framework into a real heartbeat. Yeah. For example, wow. We okay. had like, you remember we would do uh, mock interviews, right? And you would sit across. Justin was your first yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, mentee. And we would, you would sit across and we would do the curriculum, right? But you were willing to stay later. Yeah. You were willing to like help him with his his vernacular, right? Yeah. You were willing to like we were champion, like do the question over and over and over. And yeah. that
1: yeah.
0: that is where what we get, like I'm thinking about your experience in family, right? Mm-hmm. What we get from support in our community, right? These right. young people didn't have that, right? Right, and to send them off into corporate America, let's say it was just the framework, mm-hmm. and they did the resume building, they did the interview skills, they did the networking, and then they got into corporate, yeah, without being able to have a conversation with you and like a black woman who we didn't necessarily like have, like, oh, you're a black man going into a black. Um, no environment but we had real conversations. Yeah. That I believe is what allowed them to go onto the ground and just be who they are. And still like the goal was for them to be able to talk to us more and and right. work, work through those like mental challenges of being in an environment where they're nobody looks like, with. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What was it about um the career readiness program because I think at that time you were someone I, of course, I respected. We we um, have similar had, had um, mutual friends, but we hadn't had the relationship that we had before. What was it about you yeah. when the career readiness program came about that um, all of the things that influenced you to be a part of the career readiness
1: program? It was about giving people the opportunity. Sometimes, all people need is just a chance. It's not always about proving yourself that you need the chance. Just give me a chance or opportunity to be better, to do better so that I can then live the life that God has destined for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's about reaching back and helping them and pulling them up and sitting them down, okay, this is why you need to answer the question this way. This is the perception of you before you walk into the door. So you're dealing with those unconscious bias before you walk into the door. So then when you open your mouth to speak, you need to be prepared to have an intellectual conversation with someone about why they need to hire you. Mm -hmm. What you did is you developed a pipeline for homeless youth to, to then be able to provide for themselves and to have a future, you, you brought up Justin's name. He'd never been on an airplane before, and here he is looking forward to traveling around the world from a program and an opportunity that you provided for him. Mm-hmm. So it, it will be a disservice for me not to help him. And so I think that is why I devoted myself to the program Um, to Justin because you could see that he wanted more and he was so excited about the opportunity. He was the only one in the program that graduated out of, I think it was, we started out with 12 or 15, Mm -hmm. but who who took the program seriously because he wanted a better future. Mm -hmm. He was hired on by the company, he was able to get his own apartment, and he was making a way for himself and looking forward to um, taking his first trip on an airplane. Yes,
0: there. I think that moment <clears throat> when we when we when we bring this up, it's always bittersweet yeah. for so many reasons, um, which we can talk about all day. Um, but you're right. I think that it it the opportunity and you being a part of it. Um, when I say you're right, it's really like I'm glad you decided to to be a part of it and, and give him that opportunity. Yeah. You mentioned um, uh, like those um. What I what the word what I heard was unconscious bias uh-huh. um, <clears throat> and I'm not quite sure if you said it that way but um, one of the things that I was hoping to mitigate mm-hmm. when creating that program was the internal or the social um, awkwardness yeah of interfacing with a manager or a director when you yeah. feel like okay I'm I'm experiencing homelessness I'm a homeless person or I don't qualify for this role I wanted to break down that barrier yeah. right because at that time what I said was you know, you are a black boy or you're black children and you're going into the space where nobody looks like you and you probably have all these assumptions right. about people being better than you, people like having more money than you, all yeah. of these things. From your experience, um, because you were part of the program a couple of years, not even just about the program, but just you've got 20 plus years in corporate. Yeah. What are some of those um, unconscious bias, those like, um, self-doubt thoughts either like yeah from like younger black people you've seen who didn't make it as long as you did yeah and even like as you experience people more people like me what are some of those unconscious bias or um subtle micro micro experiences that the microaggressions yeah Yeah. that you've seen happen that it's important for other black people to understand how to overcome
1: yeah i think Um, that that was that's funny. I, I led with that. I know a lot of times when when we we're in a meeting environment, that like you can't say "I think." You have to be you have to affirm what you're saying. But but, but it's my personal thought, so I should be able to say "I think," and, and it's just through um, and and don't you have to sound self assured? Mm. And um, as soon as someone sees you, I remember one time I walked into. My director's office. Um, this was years ago. And she was like, "Oh, you always look so nice, or you dress so nice." And I want to say because that's how my mother raised me. It's not because of the environment. It's because of the work that KG—that's what we call my mom sometimes—KG mm-hmm. and Herman. That's what they instilled in me. They—they they instilled in me to be proud of who I am, to always look my best, and that's something that I—I—I I, I say to my children, and. It's okay to make mistakes and and but what one thing I will say is don't remunerate on things mm-hmm. too much because mm-hmm. then you that's when you that's when that self doubt seeks in, it seeks in deep when you always doubting yourself. And I mm-hmm. think I developed some of that just from all the feedback I received over the years. And I remember I was I wanted to go up uh interview for this position, so I was talking to my manager about it. And she was like, oh, and you're, oh yeah, you'd be good in that role because you're so articulate when you speak to leaders. Like, okay, I'm articulate regardless of whom I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's those are the things that I was glossing over ba- back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, mm-hmm. Those subtle microaggressions, um, that's what makes me want to go into my next career helping people not having to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. You know, I got I got questions for days. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> what was the time, excuse in, me. No worries. What was the time yeah. in your career that um you felt empowered? And who was it that um like that helped you
1: like with either with confidence or yeah. whatever it was that empowered you? My mother. I, without a doubt, my mother because I am because of who she had to be because she came um, she didn't have a lot when she grew up. And she had to deal with a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. And she was a <laughs> she was a very strong woman, and she did not take, um, I, I don't want to say any mess, but she didn't take any mess, but she wasn't afraid to stand up for herself. And if she saw something that was wrong, not just for herself or for someone in her family, if she saw someone that was wrong, she would want to correct that. And she lived life pursuant of everything she wanted to. Um, she, she traveled the world, and she lived to the beat of her own drum, sometimes to her detriment, but <laughs> <Listen>. <laughs> she was unapologetic mm-hmm. about who and how she was. So um, you, I remember growing up, there was a show called Dynasty, with Diane Carroll and the women were always so sharp and how they dressed and they were well put together so she would look at it every Wednesday and if she saw something like an outfit she was like okay I'm gonna make that And she would the next day she would be downstairs making it and she made it better than the suit that they were wearing on, on yes that's just she was like okay I want to open my own salon she opened her own salon. I was gonna ask, so was your mom an entrepreneur? She was, well, before she became an entrepreneur, she uh, was a bookkeeper for our church, St. Anthony's Catholic Church and the school. So that was a school I went to up until third grade. But then she was like, okay, she she always wanted to own her own salon. So then she went um, and became a licensed cosmetologist and she was also um, an instructor at the school and sat on the board for people that wanted to be certified or become licensed. So she owned her own salon for a while and then she got tired of that. So then she went back and she would um, do taxes. So it was just, okay, I'm tired of this. So she never defined herself in one specific role. It was what I wanted to do at the time. And that's what I did. Mm. And so that's who that's who I grew up seeing. Yeah. And that's what I grew up seeing. Like, I don't have to be contained in this box. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have to be held back by any means because of how I grew up. I can do what I want, how I want, mm-hmm. when I want, and that's what she did. When the at, and that polar opposite, my dad, he was very quiet and subtle and you know, he rose the ranks through um Atlanta Police, um becoming a major in the police department and then after he retired, he was like, okay, I wanna open a funeral home. And so that's what he's been doing. That was his second career. So just seeing both of them, knowing that when they grew up, <clears throat> like before they went to high school, they had to pick cotton. Wow. Yeah, so then. Where were they from, what city? Um, Sylvania, Georgia. <coughs> gotcha. It's a little, small, small town. i <laughs> um, about an hour from Savannah. And, they never forgot the lessons that they learned, but they then would teach us those lessons. Mm-hmm. And it was up to us to decide how we interpreted them and what we wanted to do with them. I remember one Thanksgiving, um, we, had, my husband and I, we just moved, we were having everybody over, and my dad was like, I was like, you late? And he just walked in and he had um, a part of a cotton bush, and he just laid it on the table, and he said, um, you may have come a long way but you still have a long way to go and that was that and he was like okay now we can pray all that to say that okay you have your big dinner and i might be late but you never know i may have been going through something before i got here and as you continue on that lesson and i still have that cotton plant today in a vase it's a remembrance of what they went through and where you came from and it's, it's, it's hard work. It's determination. It's resilience and it's perseverance. Yeah. Before yeah. we had before we started the podcast,
0: we talked a little bit about critical race theory. And as you're talking, mm-hmm. you, I want to say the city's so bad, but Sylvania, Georgia? Uh-huh.
1: Or oh. Scriven oh. County. Yes, yeah, Sylvania, Georgia. Let's
0: go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. Yeah. And your parents growing up and, um, and then marrying and having you. And then the story you just shared where yeah. he brought the cotton to the house, right? Yeah. And. Um, it reminded me of the saying I am black history mm-hmm. you remember when, like back I don't know I feel like it was 10 years ago where like it was a whole campaign of right, I am right, black history right. from you being able to have African studies mm-hmm. but then also having parents who picked cotton themselves yeah. um, that's a, that's a, a generational way that's a, I think that's for me I'm hearing that's super grounding yeah but what is it like for you to read about african-american history yeah. and then you also being having your own part of black history yeah um it's
1: empowering but at the same time it, I don't want to use the word sad but that's the only word that's coming to my mind right now that a lot of things that we've gone through we're still going through and like my dad said, we may have come far, but we still have a long way to go. And it seems like some, to some degree, we've digressed mm-hmm. um, in our fighting and in our struggles. But we have so many um, inspirational people and mentors that we can look up to, and see that you know you just have to, you have to want it. You can't give up and you just have to be pursuant. Like I said, that goes back to our, where we started from. You have to be pursuant of what you want. Yeah. Yeah, and I think now, yes, I'm living my life. I will continue to live my life, but it's so much more important for my husband and I to instill that in our children mm-hmm. and to see that there are literally endless possibilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, but you, whatever we told them, whatever you want, or whatever you want to be exposed to we will we will surround you um, and we will expose you to it so you can experience it so that you can make an informed decision of this is truly what you want mm. um, and you can experience it for yourself and not live based on what how others experienced it or what they what they thought it should be or how it should be if that makes sense
0: yeah, yeah. speaking of like mentorship um and the fact that you have like so many um, like family stories rooted in you, mm-hmm. um, also connecting the mentorship that we provided to the young people in Covenant House, yeah. And then acknowledging the fact that we're not where we where we want where we need to be, where we want to be, and then we have digressed in some some spaces. Yeah. What are some ways that you feel like um, that you've even had ideas or you've seen? work in like nucleuses like we've done, like between mm-hmm. one-on-one or small groups that we could bring to like large, larger populations so that we can, I don't know, have either conversations or yeah. do things to move the needle move forward from where we sit.
1: Yeah, I think it's, and it's, it's the grassroots efforts and, it, and it's just, don't don't ever think that you're so big or so much better than someone else that you can't reach back to help someone else. And I think we do more of a disservice to ourselves if we don't um, reach back to help um, one another and it's developing that pipeline like you did to give those who haven't had an opportunity exposure to something new different and maybe better and for Christian to be a homeless black male that's that's almost that can be perceived as two or three negatives against him but he was able to overcome because somebody was willing to help him and um, help him along each step of the way. And that's what we did from the resume skills to um, the interviewing, to coaching, to being available to help someone when they're in need. I know after I retired in August of 2020 and I started helping my dad, I was like, one thing that you have to do is you have to ingrain yourself back in the community. So um, last summer we had we were having monthly food drives because we know a lot of people in the area, um, they have food insecurities. And so how are we to, be, to provide a service but not be of service? And that's a, of service in the community. So if someone has food insecurities and we have a way to give food to them with a the mobile food pantry, why aren't we doing that? Like n- my daughter, uh, part of her um, project as a senior, her CAS project is a diaper drive, giving back to the Pregnancy Aid Clinic for Mothers in Need. If, you ha- if you're in a position to help somebody be just a little bit better than they were five minutes ago or five hours ago, then why aren't you doing it? Yeah. And I think once we all learn that lesson of how to help each other, then um, the world would be just a little bit better.
0: Absolutely, yeah. that value of like servant leadership is is super duper ingrained yeah. in you, and I can hear that. And um, <clears throat> speaking uh, specifically about Christian, I mentioned Justin earlier, but I remember oh, <laughs> Christian yeah. specifically yeah. was your mentee. You, um, you one, you helped me through a difficult time mm-hmm. when Christian passed away. Yeah but this is ne- isn't necessarily about Christian, so much as it's about how much you really gave to the situation, because I realized, as you mentioned, your daughter, you also are a wife, like you manage a lot of different pieces. What is it like for you, like um, corporate volunteering and um, skills-based volunteering, I take it very seriously because I know people are corporate American uh, citizens. They do their their nine to five. They have lives. Yeah. And for a program like the career readiness program, it really took some investment.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? And this a volunteer on your own time, something that you're not getting paid for. So that's how you know it's truly a passion. (laughs) If you're doing it and you aren't getting paid for it and you love it to your core, that's how you know that you're in the right place of what you're doing and how then you could then pivot that and maybe turn it in, into a paying profession, but at the time, you were giving part of your time. Your time. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it was a thing, and yes. I didn't, with no consideration of like how other people would be, but what I learned, what, this is what, I, so you, you might not know this, but coordinating the program, there are a lot of people who are just fickle. And not fickle because they are fickle to their core. Yeah. But you got flight benefits. You would <laughs> rather go to Tobago on a Friday to Sunday instead of honor your commitment on a Friday night or a Thursday night to come to do mock yeah. interviews, right? Right. For, for two hours. Right. 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 So, so for me, yes, I was super in, but it still wouldn't have been what it was if it was just me because I needed someone like you to yeah. be consistent yeah. and to show up. But there was a that's such a you as much as you poured into Christian, you had a whole life that you yeah. were dealing with, so what is it like being a mom and a corporate employee and an entrepreneur and a wife yeah all of the and a soccer mom and a badass like, <laughs> <laughs> what is it like managing um, all of these different parts of you?
1: Time is very valuable, and you have to allocate your time and invest your time where you want it to be. I invest in my family. I invest in my kids. I invest in being a part of helping somebody else along because it's important. And um, one of my favorite songs is "I Love You in a Place Where There's No Space or Time." And to to hear that and understand what that really means, because time is the only thing that you can't get give back. Mm-hmm. You can't get the time back at all. Mm-hmm. So I value my time and. I I utilize my time where I want to invest it. And I, I think that's that's it. Mm. And you just have to understand where your priorities are. I made a decision a long time ago that my family <clears throat> would be my priority. Before my husband and I had children, our three rainbow children, we had three miscarriages, so a miscarriage before each full term pregnancy. So it was along those times that you realize that you may want to start a family, but it's not guaranteed and it's not promised. So I cherish my family with my whole heart Mm -hmm. and people don't always understand that. But then that's how I was able to devote the working family business resource group because I knew that there are so many family, I mean, being a part of a family or just being a caregiver, it could take you in so many directions that you're not even prepared for. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have someone that can help you or you know provide resources for you so that then that can help you mm-hmm. um, it's important, mm-hmm. so I think just prioritizing your time and Allocating your time to where you want to be
0: mm-hmm. you said it really clear and that was you know You made a decision that you were going to put your family first Yeah, and I'm thinking about the people who haven't yet made a decision because I'm in the business of people who don't <laughs> make decisions and before you make decision, I feel like life is like Unbearable because you don't know what to prioritize. Yeah, what was it like for you before you found clarity in like what your priorities were going to be? Yeah. Was there ever a time where you felt like I don't know what to focus on, I don't know what to do, or my life is stuck?
1: Yeah. No, not stuck, but necessarily, I may have wanted to go a different direction, but I knew it would take more time. Mm-hmm. And you have you you're constantly reprioritizing your prioritizations. And are you willing to but and something will always be a sacrifice. Sometimes people say it's um quality over quantity. And it, it all depends on the situation. Because I tell you, when I'm meeting with a family making funeral arrangements to bury their loved one they wish they had more time. Mm -hmm. And that's something that they can't get back. Yes, they may have had quality time, but right now they want more quantity. Mm -hmm. So it's just making each and every moment count and um, making sure that when you're there with whomever that you're present in that moment and you're there for them. And you may be here and your mind is not doing 10 different other things, so just being present in the moment. Um, why you have that
0: time? Absolutely, I think own like when I say own, I say owning your time a lot in um, the way that I talk because a lot of times you feel like your time is not yours, especially yeah, when, when we're not. in corporate, right? <laughs> well, in, <laughs> sure. in that in that regard, right, you, it's definitely not yours. Yeah. But then in the other regard, where you feel like it's your managers, or you feel like it's your your jobs, or the responsibilities that you have, where. You might have a family but hey I gotta put this this business meeting over like whatever yeah
1: and sometimes you do and at that moment in that time Mm -hmm. that's when my time is being devoted so when I'm at work I'm giving 120% but when I step away and I'm with my family yes I'm present and there for them as well Mm -hmm. so it's just um, like I say, being present in the moment of where you are now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You retired at the uh, 24 years. Yeah. And, um, part of, you know, the transition of people who are intentionally leaving before they hit their retirement. Right. It's like, what are you going to do when you have your time back on your calendar? Right. Yeah. For you, you are in a transition of you, you, um, when you left, your mm-hmm. mother was also in the process of transitioning, transitioning. Yeah, and you had your time back what was it like for you to be going through your retirement? Yeah. And then, um, also being able to spend time with your mom Mm. during her transition. Mm.
1: Okay. I'm gonna have to take a deep, deep swallow on that one. Um, I would say it was one of the most important moments of my life because, um, like I said, I retired on the first, she passed on the 14th, but the day before she passed, um, they called and said they were putting her on oxygen. And we kind of knew what that meant, but not really. Like the gravity of understanding, like your mother is here and then she isn't. It's, um, it's surreal. And the whole family was there, but for, I would say, about six or seven hours, I sat in one chair right in front of our bed about five or six feet away from me, and I just sat there Mm -hmm. in that time with her. And they, my family kept asking me, Ree, are you okay? I was like, yeah. But I just needed to be still in that moment. I didn't, mm,
0: I just needed to be still in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier, um, some people say quality over quantity. And as you're talking, I feel like there's nothing like being able just to just spend yeah your time. You yeah. know, you don't know what's gonna happen in six hours, but to right. just spend your time there um, because it makes it reminds me of times when like my grandmother was going through her um, stroke and her transition um, as it as it were, and you just want to be there. Yeah, it's not like but before before um, I left corporate it's like well I got 30 minutes grandma you understand right. I'm gonna do this real quick I pop in and pop out as long as you see my face yeah. it was so transactional yeah and um, <clears throat> as you're talking to spend six hours doing what you want to do and not have to check an email yeah I'm thinking that that was like
1: that's
0: quantity it's invaluable. is it's invaluable yeah
1: yeah cause not everybody has that moment mm-hmm. and um just to be there and be and not do mm-hmm. um that that was important mm-hmm. that was important mhm, as we talk about like um
0: your shift, I'm thinking about identity i asked you earlier about your identity as a black woman, mhm, but then there's also your identity as a corporate woman for twenty four years, yeah, um there's also your identity as a mom and and all of the things, right You're right. How, what are you doing to um, like process your identity as a, as, in this new chapter of yeah. life?
1: It's important to always feel that you aren't wasting your time mm-hmm. and that you're always contributing to something more than just yourself. Sometimes I feel that people take advantage of who I am because if you need something, I will go above and beyond. And... I will be there for you without a doubt. Sometimes I feel that people take advantage of that, but at the core of who I am, that's, that's just me. I'd rather give to you to make sure you're okay than um, I would give to myself. but i I, I kind of pivoted on that, and I give to, I give to God first as soon as I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I started I started back running. So after I drop my kids off, well, let me back up. I read my devotional Mm -hmm. and my three-minute prayer book, drop the kids off at school, and then I go run. Sometimes I run three miles, sometimes I run five miles. But when I'm physically tired, then I'm spiritually and mentally present to what I need to focus on. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I'm running, I had a friend, my children's godfather, he lost his life partner. So on those runs, I would would pray for him, or I have a friend, um, my roommate from college, she was going through breast cancer. I turned it into a prayer run, and I would just, while I'm being strong enough to do this, I know that they may be physically or mentally weak, so the first thing I can do is pray for them in addition to everyone else that I was praying for. Um, My aunt that was going through breast cancer, so this is all within, a year and a half, all of this is going on. But I take my running as a time to connect with God, um, listen to music, sometimes it's spiritual music, sometimes it's house music, sometimes it's trap music. Mm-hmm. It just all depends on the mood <laughs> at the time. But I always make it a conscious effort to pray for somebody else while I'm on those runs because I'm strong enough to do this right now and, and they may, they possibly, they might be weak. I think that was
0: a dope uh, concept. I want to say philosophy, but help me understand the the idea and let me make sure I said this right but you said when you are physically
1: weak, weak you're spiritually and mentally strong
0: that's what I, I I heard so right how did you learn that about yourself or how did you learn because about I'm life? not a
1: runner and I want to be I want to be able I want to be that person that can run the eight or nine minute mile but in truth it might be an 11 or 12 minute mile mm-hmm. but I'm still going and I'm still taking one step in front of the other and I'm still working on my breath even though I feel like I might be out of breath but I, as long as I finish and I don't give up I keep putting one foot one step and one foot in front of the other to continue that run mm. physically I'm depleted because I'm working so hard but at the same time I'm able to focus and have a moment of clarity on what I do need to concentrate on so moving forward what do my next steps look like I don't know but that's my moment to think about it and work on it in that moment
0: Mm, I think I'm understanding it a lot more because, you know,
1: there are a lot when of you people- work out. You just so tired. If you have a good workout mm-hmm. and you give it your all at mm-hmm. the end of it, you're physically tired. Yeah, but you still have that's when your endorphins are going. You feeling happier. Mm-hmm. Your mind is clear. It's not clogged with everything. You get to focus on what you're focusing on. You focusing on your workout and whomever you choose to um Pray about or think about at that time. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm thinking about a whole bunch of like uh, high achievers. Yeah, like you, you, y'all, you you, like you get to go, 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 go. And so many people don't even have like a rest and recovery period. They just go from one thing to the next for Mm. long stretches of time, years. And the nuance of like most story for people, most stories for people who are super successful and and successful in any right. Well, as soon as you sit down, like you mentioned, like your endorphins are gone. But as soon as you sit down, or as soon as your body tells you to sit down, right? That's when your faith kicks in. That's mm-hmm. when your spirituality gets a yeah. chance to kick in. Yeah, that's a really dope philosophy. I'm gonna have to take that. Yeah, like write it down and really yeah. like consider because we when when like our bodies sit us down. Yeah, that's when we really have to sit down and think.
1: And right. And if you push yourself to a point where God is like, okay, your body needs to break, and it may be a sickness, an illness, or just a moment in time where you aren't able to do. Then where does that leave you? It leaves you on your mental and your spiritual thoughts of, okay, this is how I need to overcome and and fight through this right now. Mm-hmm. And I, at the end of every run, when I'm stretching out, um, I always listen to the song "Be Grateful," a gospel song. Be grateful. Mm, gratitude is the number one yes, value that's yes, kept me going. Yes. Yeah, I got
0: to pick that song, and then you said another song earlier, where I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna write that down." Oh, Donny Hathaway. Mm, uh, yeah, which one was it? Because
1: um, um, I, I love it. Well, "Love You" t- it's in a place where there's no time. space or time. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm gonna
0: have to get back to because those music is what charges me. Music, music is what um, motivates me when I feel empty. Yeah, um, because it, it, I don't know, it just helps me get more connected. Yeah, it's a conduit, and and I'm trying to figure. I realize nothing's good, nothing's bad, but I think that when I have music, it makes me, deep, it has given me a deeper connection. I know some yeah. people are much more um, introspective and with, without any type of external primer. Right. But music is what, like, literally grounds me.
1: Music is life. Mm. There is nothing that you go through in your life that you can't pick a song that will help you through put you in a place where you could just sit and think, or just if you just wanna vibe out. I know in the summers, we're in the backyard with our reggae pumping and just enjoying each other and having a good time, and and that's how our children are. Like, they will put on some reggae music in a heartbeat, or my youngest daughter, who has a beautiful voice but doesn't like for anyone to hear her sing, but if you hear her in her room, she has a music playing and you just hear her sing, or when she's playing the piano, it's just those subtle moments. And then my son, who's just feeling himself, we starting the locks on his hair, he's nine, and you know, all of them are well-rounded athletes and just good children overall, Mm -hmm. but he's, you know, he's starting to feel himself, so you kinda listen to the music he's listening to, so it's just something we always, um, is always in our house, is music, yeah. You
0: just, you you don't, I don't know if you know you be dropping jams. Oh, no. But, and I'm not a parent, but (laughs) as a child, I remember playing music and you are, I'm subliminally, subliminally, subliminally.
1: Subliminally. Thank you, Lord. (laughs)
0: Communicating. You got to help me out. Right. Communicating, right? Uh Uh-huh. And the gem that I just caught for parents, for sure, is to listen to the music your kids are listening to. Of course, of course. Like, lyrically, so, in our space, I think that we can discredit a lot of music that's going on now as just trash. Right. But truth be told, a lot of, you know, kids, people are picking up messages that are, like, really Ingrained in the music. Yes. What have you like? How have you um, fostered like com- like conversations with mm-hmm. your children? Yeah. Or even with people based on like these musical conversations.
1: If I hear them saying something or singing something, I turn it off. Like, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Wh- wh- how do you interpret that? And then we have a whole conversation. I always allow them to have a conversation. Like sometimes they may talk about something or discuss something at school and then we have a separate conversation at home because there's a school conversation and then there's a truth reality let's get real let's talk about it conversation because we don't um we don't want them to have preconceived notions of how things should be mm-hmm. um let's have a real conversation of understand what it could be and the implications of your thoughts if you were in in whatever environment whatever it may be mm-hmm. um and and that's just how we rear them because we want them to know that everything will not always be easy you have it real good at mommy and daddy's house right now but once you step it on your own right now is how and the not not so much the nine and twelve year old but the one going off to college at 17 we've exposed you to a lot of things we have some real conversations with you about Everything. Mm-hmm. So then, when you go out into this world away from us, away from our home, we need to know we prayed for you. You have your foundation and you know right from wrong. So then, the decision that you make um, based on the information that you have, please make good judgments. Will, you, will it always be right? No. Know that we will help you through but we need to help you through with you making at least good decisions for the majority of your life. I made bad decisions, my husband's made bad decisions, but together we were able to come out on the other side, one, based on how we were reared, Um, and two, the influences that we had in our life, Mm. yeah.
0: I'm on my own journey to have something similar. You know, I'm not trying to be Cherie, it's only going to be one, but I'm on my journey to have something similar, right? Yeah. And, um, and also take some of the lessons that you've shared and I've heard you share with your own children. and um take that with me personally and then mm-hmm. even professionally and how you've talked about you know what we're navigating what we have to navigate through as black people through corporate america if that's where we want to be right i have to even go back and say what did i learn about some of those exper- experiences but you then have you to also, be mentally strong it's boof.
1: yeah i
0: i will say that it takes certain experiences to build those mental calluses yes and for me, leaving and uh, leaving the company, like yeah. that was one mental callous for me. Yeah. What was like a time where you had to, like, develop a mental callous going from like cream puff to <laughs> yeah. to
1: getting a little stronger? Yeah. Um, there were two situations. One, I, I was given a side by side to one of my Caucasian counterparts. What's a side by side? Um, we were in a role whereby I was training her. okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was very early in my career, and this was when I was, uh, um, I was a backup coordinator. I didn't have the position yet, but I was a backup. And I was training her, kind of letting her see. And the position came to available, Um, I was like, oh, I've been doing this for uh, two months. I've been training, I've been backing up the other coordinators. and. We both applied for the job. I was like, I'm not worried because I've, you know, I've been training in this for a while so I know it. No. She got the role. She got the role after I trained her for two weeks and I have been doing the job for two months. And it was at that moment that while you're still at work in the middle of your shift, you have to keep it together Mm -hmm. because how you act or how you react would determine your next steps. And that was that was during the time where you couldn't be as vocal if you felt that you had been wronged. Um or if you or if you were uh they they called it a CLM, a career limiting move, mm. if you were to vocalize how something may have been handled. And another situation was um it was right after the company had gone through bankruptcy, and they were basically saying that if you want to be considered for whatever role, you needed to have a degree. It was like, okay, I got that. So just applying for different jobs. And it was another situation that same department, a Caucasian woman was able to get a role, and she didn't have a degree. She wasn't pursuing her degree, and I had mine. And it was like, so it's just in moments like that, that you had to be tough and you had mm-hmm. to become stronger. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Those type of situations will definitely make a person go. Have you ever seen anybody go off for some of the things? Because you really cool, calm, and collected. Oh, no. I've
1: gone off. You've gone off? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you've got to share. You've got to no, share. And, and it wasn't my best moment. Um, I was handling a project and they said this is what we need in state this is what we need at the end of the project cool I had a team of 20 we killed the project and so then the general manager at the time he came in um he called me in his office he said how do you think that project could have gone better i was like well this is what you gave me this is what the end goal was and we achieved that so I'm not understanding something or at least it wasn't communicated to me. And he was like, well, you didn't move. What what happened, the flight was overbooked and we had to move some people um, around. And he said, well, you didn't do it in the way that we wanted to and so they think you failed at handling this project. And more words were said but basically I lost it because you should have told me this at the beginning of the project mm-hmm. and not at the end. Mm-hmm. When you have the end state goal of what you wanted to see, but at the now you're gonna come back around after several checkpoints and mm-hmm. tell me that I had failed. I got up, walked out, and I slammed the door. Wasn't my most proud moment. Was it 20 years ago? Yes, mm-hmm. but I still learned that, Cherie, you can't do that. So that next morning I went in And I apologized, and um, we had a different conversation, but I think taking ownership and accountability of how I handle it Mm -hmm. went a little bit better because he was like, you're right, we didn't communicate upfront what we wanted to see, but can you handle every situation like that? No. Mm -hmm. But that was a learning moment. Like, you can't fly off the cuff like that.
0: Yes, but I I feel like we are um, in the world of DE&I and us having these conversations. Well, one, that's that's a one of those um, difficult conversations that anybody could go through whatever color. Right. um, Because that's like a feedback thing. But then as we were talking about um, situations where we feel like race is at play. Yeah. um, Creating this new environment where DE&I is more um, an open conversation and it's not a CLM you know career limiting move right that's the hope right but in this particular situation given that was 20 years ago and then the the connotation that career limiting moves have yes like like what is your idea like when someone's going through that right now like let's say they did it yesterday they just went off the handle what's your perspective on
1: those CLMs now we're in a different environment now and as you can see people are less tolerant of not being um appreciated as a person Mm. either individual contributor or as a leader and you could see people are, are leaving their jobs in droves or retiring from droves and i think having gone through this pandemic it has taught us one thing well a couple of things one time is precious and it's not guaranteed and two I don't necessarily have to tolerate how somebody wants to treat me if they're not treating me as the person that I should be yeah. because I know my value. Mm-hmm. So before you try to tell me my worth, I already know my value. Mm. And then from that, I'm not staying. And even millennials, I think they also taught um, this world a thing or two like, I'm not staying here for 10, 15, 20 years. I'm going to stay here for the moment. Um, if I want to Mm -hmm. and then if not I'm leaving because I can and there are other opportunities out there Um, that wasn't the environment 20 years ago Mm. so it's just been life lessons and along the way it's not about being a leader a servant leader but if you're a servant leader I think it goes hand in hand with being a moral leader if you you have the moral obligation to improve a situation for someone for your team for an individual then as a servant leader you're morally obligated to help improve that mm-hmm. and I don't think you hear servant leader a lot of times but do you rarely do you hear moral leadership brought up
0: mm, that's important it feels um even more more forgiving in the sense that you understand that you, are, you want to
1: guide the people to be the best people they can right. be, and you want right. to lead from that, that space. And you want to empower people when they're at their best. They don't have to be all-knowing, but they have to be willing to grow in a new role. Mm-hmm. If you see that potential in somebody, then by all means, help them along their career yeah. and their career path by pulling out the best in them and helping them to improve on opportunities where they could be better.
0: Yeah. Given the fact that you are no longer in um, corporate, my, my my bias, my personal bias is yes, we have more entrepreneurs who like think like this, and even to be able to create an organization or go into an organization and be able to instill this mindset, yeah, um, more freely, it, mm-hmm. it really excites me. So when I think about like. You know your mom being Mm -hmm. you know an entrepreneur really following her passion she's she gives me some type of like passion to just kind of be me (laughs) Um, because so many times you know there's part of me that wants to you know express all these different sides but then um, stay focused but then you also have you know your dad who's been a fireman and and Mm, policeman policeman. thank Uh you so much Um, you've had you've seen nine to five you've seen entrepreneurship you've seen leadership you've been a leader Um, what's your, what's your thoughts or your, um, your idea? And I know a little bit, but I want you to like, kind of explain from your perspective Mm -hmm. around entrepreneurship. And do you think that would ever be, um, how would, how would, do you think that would be something that you would, um, focus on and how would it, or how would it look for you if you were to take into entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah. Um, my husband and I, we, we started, um, a game truck and then, we, we have um, more than one now. And then I started the Spa truck, Glamour On Board, like mobile spa parties for girls, which is really fun, but we had to scale back because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think with entrepreneurship, it teaches you a different type of grit. Um, it teaches you, you can't rely, like if I take a day off, I could still get paid from a company because I could take um, a vacation day and still get a paycheck. When you take off from, your business Mm -hmm. there's no money coming in so it teaches you how to fight a little differently and move a little differently Mm -hmm. you have a certain type of freedom that you may not have in the confines of working for someone else so in that freedom um, you're able to be more creative and just think um, about how to maneuver in a way in which you can set you and your family up um, for more success i have all types of Of things and ideas in my head that I have to put into action and that's another thing you don't have a team of people working for you at this time Mm -hmm. right now it's just you Mm -hmm. and and transacting on your thoughts in order to produce revenue but it's just acting on those moments to make better opportunities for yourself and possibly somebody else
0: yeah yeah playing with the idea of you know extrapolating where you might be um, Cause I know you're very flexible, like, and I'm I'm never gonna be the one to be like, Sheree, what box are we gonna be in no, today? No boxes, right? One hundred percent. What would you ever consider, or at this place in your life, would you ever see yourself um, building a company and then ran, managing a team, like within the company, building it so big that it's like running a team, or is that would that be too much um, to start today?
1: I won't say that. I won't <clears throat> ever go back into corporate America. Um, or say continue to to pursue other opportunities. Um, I think being where I am now, I like the freedom of just having endless possibilities, mm-hmm. and just being able to consider options that weren't considered before. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's freedom in that. What yeah.
0: are the things that get you excited these
1: days? Um, it's corny. Uh, <laughs> 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 um going to my daughter's soccer game listening mm-hmm. to music mm-hmm. um this one idea i came up with i can't share yet okay um the bringing that to fruition Um, uh, spending time with my family just i think where i am now is about spending just time with friends and family um uh, we have a great summer coming up i'm looking forward to that just a lot of partying and celebrating and yeah
0: no ro-ro <laughs> listen we're we gonna live we are going to live our yes, best yes yes i yes, got it well yes. hopefully if you guys do any water parties or reggae parties in the backyard just i would know. definitely call <laughs> I, I, am open. Listen, I am open because it has been a long time since i've been just able
1: to like commune with people yes, you know and and you miss that connection mm-hmm. yep For a while, it was good. I was like, oh, this is great. We don't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. We don't have to drive, work it from home, but then you get to a point where you kind of miss those interactions um, with your friends and um, just being out and about. Yeah. 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 There's so many different ways that I would love to close this out, but I think that
0: because you particularly impacted my journey Mm -hmm. in such a very impactful way, um, especially since you, um, I was leaving corporate. I knew like I had to figure out what was the next thing. Um, and your words kept me grounded. One of the things that you said was, um, if you don't know, and I might be butchering it, but, if you don't know your value or what value you bring then anyone could determine your work right yeah and for me that always was a grounding thing because if you if you take it a step further you can be taken advantage of because they see whatever value is you know placed to their vision and right. it's not a good or bad thing it's just yeah. that if you don't know where you want to go then you'll be susceptible to go wherever everyone else thinks you're valued uh-huh um what would you say mm-hmm. to the woman who is um, still trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. um, not quite sure where they want to be, and maybe are, they're on their way out of corporate America? What would yeah. be your words to that person?
1: I would say follow your passion and persist through the pain um, because it will. you don't know your journey, but know that you can identify certain um, paths in your life. And you, what the funniest thing to me is like, oh, I have this planned in the next three years. I'm going to do this in the next five years. This will happen. I say, take a step back, pray about your journey, know what you would like to happen in your life. And ask God for guidance. Um, and, and, you know, I say I love music, but. Um, A song that I listen to often is order my steps in your words. Mm. So God, order my steps in your words and have me live the life that you want me to live with the purpose and the passion that it should be lived. Being able to be there for others, guide others and help others along the way. And I think that's most important for me. Um, Success can come into play with that. Um, having a very loving family comes into play with that. But as long as God has ordered my steps and his words, then I know I'm living the life that I'm supposed to live mm-hmm. and how I should live it. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's what I would say to someone that's, um, feel that they are tethered to corporate America, but yet they have one foot on the outside pursuing or wanting to pursue other options. Um, Think about it. Write it down. Have a plan. Write out your business plan. Think about how, like I said, think about how you think your steps should be and then start that journey. But make sure you have the financial um, backing or the financial foundation that you need to continue to live your life so that you don't um, end up someplace where you don't want to be or you shouldn't be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that.
1: You I think I
0: even needed that today. So hopefully <laughs> you guys got something from that. And if you didn't, like I, like I always say, you can always pause it, rewind, take a note or two, and then figure out how you're going to apply that to your own career journey. Because while there's so much pressure around what you should be doing and what yeah. everybody else is doing, especially on Instagram, you have to remember, like you said, like our steps are ordered, right? Whether you know it or not. And then we, if
1: if you don't, then we have to take that time. To define yourself for yourself. Yeah. And don't let somebody else define it for you. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're welcome.
0: So... If there's somebody who's out here watching or listening to yeah. us right now, and they are, they're like, you know what, I want some more of that Miss Sheree. I need, everybody needs a Sheree in their life. I, I swear. <laughs> and they were like, how do I stay connected? Uh-huh. How do I um, either work with you in the future? How do I connect with you? What's the best ways
1: for them to reach out? Um, I'm on Instagram, or either you could reach out to Ari. <laughs> you could. Or, and I'm also on LinkedIn, Cherie um, Mercier. So they could reach out at any time wonderful all of that information will be in the description below
0: like i, I know i said everybody needs a sheree but everybody can't have <laughs> <laughs> It's you
1: and Courtney? Courtney listen, we yes, all have yes. our thoughts.
0: We was like, listen, Sheree, just be like getting us together, just come afar. And mm-hmm. and like I said, you do so much in your own life that it's such a, it's so amazing that you get a chance to yeah. impact people with just the time that you
1: do have to yeah. give to us. So, well, I don't have time to waste time, and I don't want to waste your time. So. We are gonna have productive time together because if there was one thing that was a resounding point over and over in our conversation, is time. Yes, it was. And, yes, it was. And it's important, and people need to realize that it is important, and to make the most of it. Yeah. Thank you.
0: I can't thank you enough. You're welcome. Y'all got it. You know what you do. Until next time, I will see you next week. Peace out, guys. Bye. <laughs> I love that.